Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I am Jim Galante. He is Andrew P. Shea. We are here for an hour of Penn State football talk. Andrew, my friend, are you ready for that? Yeah, Jimmy, let's do it. A little one-hour off-season session. we got a lot to talk about. Let's get rolling. All right, let's get to it. Let me start with my first question for you about this Penn State team. Been getting a lot of high praise, a lot of high expectations going into the 2023 season. No team rolls into a season perfect you know they're ready at every position my question to you Andy is where are your areas of concern for this team going into the 23 season yeah they're they're really few and far between I mean you you have to start at the quarterback I know generally speaking fans aren't really like well we got a five-star Drew Aller got some time it I'm still very concerned about the quarterback position not Drew Aller, not the talent, just, you know, it's it's been a long time. It's been since 2019 since Penn State really, you know, didn't have, were unsure at this level at the quarterback position, and it doesn't happen very often. So it, it is a mild one. I have other ones that top my list for kind of different reasons. Uh, I think the safety position, it is a concern because partly – It's been so elite and, you know, three straight seasons, this defense has featured what you, what an all big 10 safety, you know, borderline all American safety. That was, that impacted the game in many different ways and was a game changer at the same time. Jaquan Brisker and Jair Brown, they were just that level of player there. They were NFL players, right? Playing on a college field. And, I mean, geez, heck, two seasons ago, they played together, Jimmy. Good gracious, were they good. And that position still has talent. And the pool is actually really deep. I'm not sure Penn State has that next game-changing, impactful combination talent safety on its roster. So how does that defense look without that? Do I think one could emerge? I don't really think they have it. Do they need one? I don't think they really do because I think I think Manny Diaz is smart enough to know when you have that asset, how you use it, and if you don't have it, how you use the depth and talent that you have to make that position still be at the level it needs to be. That is my only concern is they're not going to have that hammer safety that you know and can count on to be a game changer and an impact player. How are they going to mix and match and make it a position that doesn't drop off the side of a cliff. And I don't see that coming. I'm just, I just wonder how they make that happen. And that is a mild concern for me. That's it. I think listing it as a mild concern is okay, but I'm probably not as concerned about it as you are. And here's my take on it is with Keaton Ellis returning, you have that veteran presence with Zachy Wheatley, Jalen Reed, K.J. Winston, I think you have young potential stars back there. 
I think the only thing you're missing is the guy who is both the veteran and the star. <laughs> you know, instead you've got a veteran who's probably not a superstar but competent in Keaton Ellis, and you, you've got the young guys who are just lacking experience. So I'm not quite as concerned there. I'm going to take a look at on my list a couple other things and this is me being picky a bit perhaps Andy is you mentioned Drew Aller we've all talked to him quite a bit I think beyond the issues you have with any new starter young starter perhaps at the beginning of the season I'm confident in Drew Aller my question I'm going to talk on the offensive side in the backfield about backups We learned what it's like if you don't have a competent backup quarterback. My question is, is Bo Prabula prepared if they need him to step in for a game or two? The other backup position, I know there's two incredible running backs. So why worry about that position? Well, stuff happens to running backs, Andy. I'm concerned that if something does happen to one or both of these guys, is there someone prepared to step right in? So th- those are two of my concerns. So I'm going to start at the backup quarterback, Jimmy. I think for this offseason, for Penn State, and through camp, through spring ball, through the summer, and through camp leading into the season, everyone knows who the QB1 is. That's Drew Aller. I think in this unique offseason for Penn State and what they have, you know, a little bit up front at the running back position, except. The quarterback position, this is the, uh, one of the most important off-seasons for Penn State. Not just because it's Drew Aller, but because I think the backup is just as important. Drew Aller is a greenhorn who's going to have some serious bright lights on him and is 100% capable and ready to handle all of that. It is what is – who is second behind him is, to me, is just as important – that Penn State figures it out and gets it right and gets that person prepared for 2023. It just, that is, it, it, they're preparing kind of a, a starter, a QB1, and a QB1A. I think that's the way I look at it is they need to figure out who their two starters are. We know Drew Aller is going to be the man, but they need to figure out both. And that's why I, I agree with you on the front that the backup quarterback is, is really important. When it comes to the running backs, I'm not feeling it, Jimmy. I, I don't I'm not worried about it one little bit. Now, logically, football logic wise, the answer is yes, because you have two dudes, and then you have recruits and a you know you have tank, and then that's pretty much it, right? You have young guys. But if I if I think about it the way I look at it is if you look at how J1 Siders sort of recruited and developed this position, right? the way he's got guys ready to play much sooner than later, and they've shown capable. Even going back, if you look at, you know, <clears throat> you look at Noah Kane when he had to play, you know, he's just one example. He he is doing an outstanding job of developing these guys on a fast track, and sooner than later, the two freshmen last year, hello, now they're talented, but they also needed some development and some coaching. I think the way Jay Wansider handles the running back position, even though they're going to be, you know, recruits and one's coming off a knee injury and blah, 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 blah. I'm not worried about the running back position after the first two at all. Not one little bit. Well, 
I'm glad you mentioned the knee injury for London Montgomery. That's why I'm more concerned. Is he ready to play? You know, coming off that injury, they would really like to redshirt him this year. Um, you know, I'll give you two other ones, Andy, and then you could comment on that and add any other concerns you have. It seems like there's a full room of wide receivers. You have the two transfer portal guys coming in, but I'm not sure I see the number one guy there. Who's the lead dog among the wide receivers? My other concern is, and it's we've talked about it before, at defensive tackle, do you need that big stud, that one technique guy who comes in at 330 pounds and just clogs up the middle? If so, I'm not sure Penn State has that guy. Penn State doesn't have that guy. So when it comes to the one technique, we'll start there, Jimmy. I'm like, yeah, Penn State doesn't have it. So they, they it, it's not that you're looking for somebody to fill that role and you have a couple options. They just simply don't have that guy. But I think the interior of the defensive line is less of a concern for me than most because I think the sum of their four parts, I think they, you know, they're going to have a new defensive line coach, right? We know that now. So how they mix and match that, they've got four capable FBS Big Ten level defensive linemen who are capable of playing their roles. How the new coach and how the how uh, Manny they work together mix and match that, I don't know, but they don't have the one technique right now. Everybody wants it. They just don't have it. The wide receiver position is they don't have a lead dog. They just simply don't. And it is a, it's also a combination of now this position is in a little bit of transition on many fronts. New position coach, you know, they've been acquiring talent under, you know, but it's lacked next level development. I would say early development has been there despite Penn State firing their wide receiver coach. I think early development has been there. I think it's the next level development that cost him his job. Does but, but then I think, does this team need a wide receiver one to emerge? I think it would be nice, especially because the quarterback is going to need more help this year. He just simply is. He's a green orange. He's going to need a little help from his wide receivers. You know, He's going to need his dudes to be his dudes that help him. But I don't get the feeling that this offense needs a wide receiver one to emerge for it to function well. And that's a... That's just my opinion, but I don't see a wide receiver one as a necessity emerging from spring ball and through the summer and into camp. If one merges, great, but I only think that emerges through playing games. I don't think it emerges on the practice field, to be honest with you. Um, guys stand out, but guys that are wide receiver ones emerge you know, on Saturdays between the lines when it counts. I don't think this offense is going to need a wide receiver one to emerge to be as powerful as it possibly could be. It's interesting the way you frame that. And I suppose it's okay if you have, say, three good wide receivers out there, plus a couple good tight ends. You have several, several targets. I guess the question is just how important is it to have a quote-unquote number one receiver? So I think sometimes it is – 
if that player emerges, it becomes invaluable for the players behind him, right? But I, I think we saw a little bit of it last year with Mike Yersich in the way he spread the ball around a little bit more. There wasn't a clear-cut wide receiver one that emerged last year from the trio. Now, I know Keandre Lambert-Smith was hurt a lot. You know, uh, I just don't think a a wide receiver one emerged last year, so they used a a little bit of mix and match. And Drew Aller's better than Sean Clifford, talent-wise, right? So I think they might even be a little deeper this year, and that's a huge advantage for them, I think. I don't think they need one to emerge. I don't think they do. I'm not sure they do either, but I do think they need that next generation to step up. You know, the Trey Wallace, the Liam yep. Clifford, who's who's going to step up? Omari Evans. Somebody has to. I think there's enough talent there and numbers. Andy, that's it for quarter number one. Stick around. We got lots more to go. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at keystonesportsnetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number two. He's Andy Shea. I'm Jim Galante. Andy, here's what I want to talk about in this segment. You know, there's a lot of talk within college football about parity or lack of it. You have the couple teams, a handful of teams at the very top. That's it. When the season starts, you already know there's only a handful of teams that could win the national championship. And with NIL and the transfer portal, the question becomes, 
Has the narrative changed at all? Will other teams jump up and challenge? And I, I think if you have this conversation with most people, they'll talk in terms of there is a lack of parity. It hasn't changed in years. My argument is that I think it is changing, Andy, and the balance of power is shifting. Here's my argument. Three, four years ago, if I ask you who the best teams in the country are, it, it's really easy. It's Alabama, it's Ohio State, it's Clemson, and if you're picking a fourth team, it's probably Oklahoma. Tell you where those teams are today. We all know what happened to Oklahoma, okay? They struggled, they lost their coach, had a, had a tough season. Clemson has come back to the pack without having an elite quarterback. If he doesn't have Deshaun Watson or Trevor Lawrence, they came back a bit to the pack and didn't make the playoffs. You have Ohio State, who now, two years running, has not won their conference. Michigan has. And Alabama, same deal. It wasn't Alabama in the playoffs this year. It was Georgia from the Southeast Conference. I know it's still, you've got teams at the top. You always will. But I think it's starting to shift a bit, Andy. Tell me why I'm wrong. Yeah, I I, I... I complete. I, I disagree with you, Jimmy, a little bit. I don't think you're holistically wrong, but you're looking at last week and you're like, "Hey, look at last week," and I'm like, "Well, what about three weeks ago and five weeks ago?" And you're like, "No, but last week," and I'm like, "Well, that's just one week, and it's one season. Maybe it's two seasons, but I don't think I, I don't think Georgia's overtaken Alabama in the SEC. I just I just don't." Um, Alabama still played 13 college football playoff games. Georgia's played six. Now, has Georgia won the last two titles? Well, yeah. Are they killing it right now? Yes. Is Alabama falling off a cliff? No. Are they a mile behind? No. I'd say they might be side by side if you want to look at a gold standard maybe, but I, I still think I'd inch Alabama ahead of them as a little more consistent and a little more reliable over a longer period of time. But right now, Georgia, right now at this moment, Georgia is winning the battle with Alabama. Is Georgia the better, stronger program overall? I I, I struggle with that one. You're right about Clemson coming back to the pack just a little bit, but it's only based on the quarterback position. So it's still really important. It's like kind of what Penn State, you know, it's like at the next level, Clemson's experience what Penn State fans are very used to, right? The lack of an elite quarterback having an impact or stunting their growth at a certain level. But, I mean, overall, they're right behind Alabama. They played 10 college football, game, uh, college football playoff games, and they've got, you know, two titles in the last seven years. Not too bad, but... I think overall the ACC without the ACC takes a hit when Clemson isn't at that one through four level, right? The overall the ACC takes a hit, you know, overall. So I think that league is is struggling just a bit, but and and there's no chance Michigan's overtaking Ohio State. I, I know they're Johnny come lately. They've won two Big Ten titles, but they also just lost a freaking TCU and are 0-2 in college football playoff games. Yeah, Ohio State doesn't have a great record in the college football playoff either, and they have one title. But 
I don't think Michigan surpassed Ohio State in any way, shape, or form as the as viewed holistically and nationally as the top dog in the Big Ten. They're just they just haven't, in my opinion, particularly because they they can get to the next level, and then they've been beat pretty soundly both times. I mean, they made it better than it looked last year against TCU, but they, they got beat, and they were beat pretty soundly by TCU in that game. Even though their offense made a go of it late, they still got beat pretty soundly. Well, I'm not sure they got beat soundly, but it's you talk in terms of you know over a longer range. I, I get that argument, but the fact is, for several years, Ohio State was the unchallenged top dog in the Big Ten. Correct. Has Michigan overtaken them? If you want to argue not, I kind of get it. But it's two years running that they've beaten them. If they do that a third, the Ohio State fans were not happy with Ryan Day losing to them twice in a row. They're going to explode if Michigan beats them a third time in a row, Andy. No, this and, is, you're right. This is a big year for Ohio State. They have to beat Michigan. Ryan Day's job is on the line. No matter what he's done, it almost cost Jim Harbaugh his job, right? It very nearly cost Jim Harbaugh his job simply because he couldn't beat Ohio State. And it could cost Ryan Day his job if Ohio State can't beat Michigan this year. That's just the reality of of being the Ohio State head football coach. End of story. And remember, too, going to Alabama – it's it's a similar story there. It's two years running that Georgia, I, I think, did Alabama two years ago actually beat them in the uh, SEC championship game? I can't yeah. even remember. But, yeah, but there's no doubt. Yeah, 2020. Well, 2020, Alabama was, was a national champion. But in 21, regardless, there is no doubt the last two seasons, Georgia was the top dog in the Southeast Conference, okay? No doubt they were over Alabama. When was the last time two years running that has happened? And now going into 23, I think Georgia is favored over Alabama going into the season. And you've got a new challenger, I think, in LSU. I think you've got another team in Tennessee that's you know, raising their head, raising their banner, saying, hey, how about us? Now, in the Big Ten, I think this is the first year you mentioned Ryan Day. He better beat Michigan this year. But you know what? He's also got Penn State on his heels this year. So if he loses out to either one of those teams, it's a tough way to coach. I mean, he could be 11-1, and and his fans may be calling for his head. Because the standard at Ohio State is undefeated conference champions and a playoff team. So I think of if I look at Penn, if you think of Penn State, right? I'm going to start with them as, as you're looking at new teams, right? And don't forget LSU won a national championship in 19. Remember? So yep. in the last four years, if you if you look at Alabama, you go, well, 19 it was LSU, 20 Alabama was back, and then the last two years it's been Georgia. You know, is that mean Alabama's slipping even more? And now LSU's kind of poking its neck back out on uh, under Brian Kelly. I, I still want to see what happens, but I look at Penn State and I think the the what 
what they have to deal with as and and wanting to be an elite program coming off back to back losing you know a five you know basically a 500 team for two years they change the narrative very quickly and part of that narrative is they they have so much talent coming back looking forward think of if they were an ACC team or an, even if they were in one of the other divisions behind either LS or behind either Georgia or Alabama in the SEC the inherent thing about Penn State has to fight a third wheel sort of that nobody else has to fight is they're in the same freaking division as Michigan and Ohio State. So that automatically makes them third every day and twice on Sunday. They'd be be up near the top or in a top or a favorite conversation if they were in ACC school. If they were in the SEC, they would be in that conversation of, possibly challenging a Georgia or an Alabama for a division title and playing in the SEC title game. But they have to overcome an extra hurdle because Michigan and Ohio State are elevated, have elevated themselves to a certain level. And that is a very, very difficult spot for Penn State to be in that I think sometimes, you know, I don't blame fans for this. I just say sometimes I get lost on fans. Like, how come we're not playing at the higher level? How well, you got Michigan and Ohio State right in front of you every day and twice on Sunday every single year. And nobody else has to face that. That is looking to crack into that level. Nobody else faces that on an annual basis. And I, that is one thing that sticks with me that Penn State sort of is an, at an unfair disadvantage because of where they are in the division. And they are, Andy, and one could argue Michigan was dealing with that exact same thing. They always had Ohio State and Penn State to get past. They did it in these last two years. My point is Penn State was never considered one of those three or four elite teams. Ohio State was, and I think they showed cracks the last two years. Michigan beat them twice. Penn State's nipping at their heels. This is about those elite teams. And going back to Alabama, who was the elite of the elites, yes, they did beat Georgia in the Southeast Conference Championship game, which I don't want to say it was irrelevant, but they were both going to, or Georgia was going to the playoffs anyway and ultimately won the national championship. But what you had Alabama last year was lose two games, LSU, and Tennessee, okay, so those are two teams that I mentioned. They're nipping at their heels also. And remember, Alabama barely, barely squeaked past Texas also last year. This was not the same kind of dominant Alabama team. And remember, they're also losing a star quarterback. Yep. I'm, not, I'm not predicting the demise of Alabama. I'm just saying that where we had... The three elite, elite teams, Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama, when people talked about the lack of parity in college football, everyone threw out there those three teams. And guess what? Those three teams have struggled over the last two years by their standards. And sometimes when when you're in the middle of this process, there's been a lack of parity in college football for at least 50 years. More so, 80 years. It slowly changes, though. 
I'm just saying I believe we're in the middle of one of those changes. All right, Andy, that's it for quarter number two. Stick around quarter number three. We're going to ask Andy. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at keystonesportsnetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. He's Andy, I'm Jim. This is quarter number three. You know what that means. It's time to ask Andy. This is where we take your questions we ask them of Andy, and at the end of the segment, if we remember, we name a winner. <laughs> okay. And that winner will get a prize pack from our good friends at 409tailgateclub.com. That's the place to go. Again, 409tailgateclub.com. Find all your great barbecue products, barbecue sauces, barbecue rubs, including the new barbecue coffee rubs. And also, of course, the great Bloody Mary mix. All right, Andy. I joked about if we remember a week ago, because I had a guest on in the fourth quarter, we had to name our winner in quarter three at the end of the segment. And, of course, both of us old men, we forget. (laughs) And by the way, I, I had multiple people, all of them guys who sent in questions, send me a note. Hey, Jim, you didn't announce the winner. (laughs) <laughs> and one of those who sent me a note was uh, Dan from Bell Vernon. I let him know. I responded, Dan, you were the winner. Dan, you got to get back to me, though. You got to give me your address information so I can send you your prize. So don't forget that, Dan. Today, we won't forget, Andy. All right. Nope. You ready to roll? 
I'm ready. Let's go. Fire away. All right. Let's start with, uh, okay. People are still reacting to our previous segments. This is Joe from Scranton. He's not asking a question. He even says, just a comment. It is not the Wi-Fi coverage that uh, Wi-Fi coverage that causes connectivity issues. It's the poor cellular coverage provided by AT and T. There should be several cows, which are cellular on wheels, on site. This would help. <laughs> then again, second-rate cellular company, as Joe Paterno said, lower your expectations. So, Andy. <laughs> You and I might not think a lot about it, but the fans do. They want to get on their phones and text people and yep. send pictures, and they're not able to. Just to real quick, the COWs that he referred to, they're like temporary cell towers that the phone companies, they can bring into a site if there's a natural disaster or a huge event, something of that effect. They're temporary you could just bring them in to help out. I have no idea if other college football towns do that. Um, but also, there is, yes, there is also a difference between Wi-Fi and cellular. We're not going to get into that right now. Dear Joe, Penn State is a remote location in the mountains. Love, Andy. That's it. <laughs> Let, let's let's move on. Um Okay, let, let's go to, uh, oh, our good friend Jimmy. He says, Dear Andy, since the year 2000, Penn State has never had more than three All-Americans in a given year, and that was in 2002. Might this be the year to get more than three with Abdul Carter, Theo Johnson, Nick Singleton, Olu Fashionu, and Kalen King? Wow, what a great question. I mean, so All-American is A, about potential, and B, about how you... It, it's partly what you do, it's partly what your hype is leading up to the year, and it's also, it's equal third part, how well your team does, right? That kind of matters as well. I can't... More than three was his question, right? Do I see them getting more than three? Is that what Jimmy asked? Yes. Yeah, I can't see them getting more than three. That's just, I could see them possibly maybe getting three, maybe. Two is a more likely number. Three's still a hard stretch as well, Jim. Well, I think part of the problem with it, Andy, is you got to look around the country too. Now, I don't know if by All-American, you know, is it first team, second team, third team? Does that count? Because if it's just that first team All-American, at tight end, there's a pretty good tight end down at Georgia, okay? Um, sure. Well, no, the one went to the NFL. One went to the NFL. Brock Bowers is the guy, though. He He's a stud. He's phenomenal. At running back, as great as we all think Nicholas Singleton is, Blake Corum at Michigan is probably going to get more carries, more yards, and he's also playing on an elite team. So those are the things you've got to remember. Yeah. Uh with all American. But I think if the point he's trying to make is there's a lot of really talented guys on this year's team point taken. All right, let's, uh, let's move on. Um, that was oh, a really okay. good question. Michael from Belfont says without Parker Washington in the lineup, Keandre Lambert Smith played really well. 
I feel as if he's being overlooked as a number one receiver type. What do you think, Andy? Yeah, he's he's developing, right? Like he he was hurt a bit, and when Parker Washington went out, he you know he was coming back and and he played well and he showed some promise. But you know, there's certain things you look for in a wide wide receiver one and. While I think he might be, he has the potential to be the best of this bunch. I really don't see him as a pure go-to. Chips are down. That guy is the one you know is going to be featured, and they're going to look for, and where the ball's probably going to go. I just don't see him. I don't see this offense being that, and I don't see him being that. And but he could. I I 100% think, you know, Michael, that you're right, that he could come out of this pack and be the best of the group, right? And, like, Parker Washington was the best of the group last year, right? Like, that that was clear. And I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing, like we talked about in quarter number one. I I don't necessarily think that Penn State needs a wide receiver one, a a go-to, the guy, the man, the big, you know, the Chris Godwin type receiver, the Allen Robinson type receiver, you know, I don't necessarily think they need that in this offense and I just don't see it happening. All right. Let's next go to Sal and Abington, but need a little context, a little bit of background before his question. If you recall, Andy, you and I were criticized. I think it was Steve who's uh, from Columbia who sent us an email saying, how come it's such a love fest between you two? You're always get along with your answers. So in response to that, this is Sal from Abington who says, if no one else is going to do it, I will. Andy, do you really believe Hackenberg is better than Aller? Really? And Jim, are you going to allow Andy to get away with saying that? Come on, guys. Let's hear you mix it up a bit. Yeah, no, I... I think Sal is trying to antagonize us, Andy. Right now, I I stand... Right now, I stand on my mountain. I, I think... I have... I think... Christian Hackenberg did more as a quarterback to help Penn State in a difficult time than I think Drew Aller is probably capable of. Can Drew Aller possibly eclipse... Christian Hackenberg and go to the NFL and be successful? Probably. Do I think that right now? Absolutely not. I don't think so. I got to see it. And I, I would, I'm standing on my mountain, Jimmy. I'm saying right now, today, during this offseason, prior to the 2023 season when Drew Aller takes over as Penn State's QB1, I see their potential is the same. Their potential to me is almost identical, a, a little. And Sal, I think, I think Drew Aller's got a long way to go. Sal, buddy, thank you for your question. If what you're trying to say is Andy has no idea what he's talking about, you are correct, sir. He's way off base, <laughs> and he's gonna. There's gonna be a time in the not too distant future he's gonna regret this. Okay, that's us mixing it up, Sal. I hope that made you happy. Let's go to our good friend Stephen Potomac. Uh, this is interesting. He says, who has more say 
over the Big Ten scheduling, the TV networks or the conference. I don't see Fox paying all that money to not have guaranteed big matchups every year, which is why I think we will see tougher permanent rivalry games among the uh, the top-tier teams. That cannibalization could mean fewer teams in the playoffs, but I suspect ESPN will demand a similar thing from the Southeast Conference. Oh, oh, Steve, the, the TV networks are setting the they are setting it up. There's a reason. So the, the, the conference has to set the schedule, obviously, based on, you know, who their teams are. And there's a reason it it's, you know, the, the game times are TBA, 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 right? Like they, they need some time to see, but they can slot them anywhere they want. Penn State is going to play, you know, Michigan. In week five, for example, I don't know which week it is, but week five, what time that game is, nobody has any idea what time they, that is because you've got three weeks to look at it and say, what, which direction are these teams going and are they going in the direction? And if Fox has first choice that week and both teams are three and oh, looking at four and oh, and going and they're going to meet in week five, for example, guess what the noon game on Fox is going to be? Michigan and Penn State, that's that's just the way it's going to be. I think they dictate the time of the game and when the teams play. Who the matchups are are determined by the conferences and the schedule, but the TV networks are completely driving the times and what networks games are on. I think, Andy, there will be a balance, and I believe a lot of what Steve is responding to. Dustin and I, a couple of weeks ago, we did a segment where we talked in terms of like the top tier teams, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, USC. How much will they play each other as rivalry games? And some people on the surface think, well, you'll have to have Ohio State play Michigan, Penn State, and USC every year. I don't think that will happen. But here's what people forget. The rivalry game is every year, but you will play those other two teams every other year. So let's say Penn State has USC as the rivalry. They'll also get either Michigan or Ohio State in that season also for two elite games. Then say you have a second rivalry game for each of those teams. For USC, say UCLA. Maybe Michigan has Michigan State, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Penn State, Iowa. Those games would be every year also. Then you'd play, you know, I started doing the count And there are a lot of games that maybe it's not Ohio State, Michigan, but they're pretty good games. Andy, we're running out of time. I'll finish my thought at the start of quarter number four, and we will, we promise we'll name our winner. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. 
You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news, 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim. He's Andy. It's quarter number four. Just to wrap up that uh, last conversation we were having at the end of quarter three, Andy, about uh, Steve was correctly pointing out the television networks are paying a lot of money and they want to have the best matchups. My point isn't that, you know, he's wrong because they, the television contracts are going to demand that you put good games on, on each of the networks. But what I'm saying is it's not like the Southeast conference where you have Alabama and Georgia, the two best teams in the conference, not playing each other for over a decade. The teams that aren't your rivalry teams, you will play them every other year. Correct. So beyond your rivalry games, the Big Ten is now deep enough. If you're Penn State, you're going to play. If USC were your rivalry team, you are going to also play either Michigan or Ohio State. Maybe you have Iowa as a rivalry game. Then you have the likes of Wisconsin, Iowa, Michigan State. I've named Iowa twice. but So you're going to have each team with like five or six really good games a season. So, Andy, we need a winner from our Q3 segment. Who do you got? Uh, uh, I thought the football acumen of the question by Michael from Belfont it was a pretty high IQ football question, so I'm going to go with him this week. There you go, Michael. High football IQ. We'll be getting in touch with you. Okay, Andy, on to our quarter number four topic. And again, I'm going to hit on scheduling a little bit here. The conversation, you've got USC, UCLA coming into the Big Ten um, in the 24 season. We know that's going to change up the schedule. But another conversation has begun, which is, is the Big Ten done expanding out west? The conversation being they're looking at more, specifically Oregon and Washington, and perhaps even four teams, and they would add Cal and Stanford also. 
What do you think, Andy? So I, I definitely think the Big Ten is still shopping. I think they, I, I really think they are because it's. I think they need to protect their asset, which is USC and UCLA on the West Coast. I don't think they ideally want to leave them out there on a West Coast island. They might have to, but I don't think they want to. And I think they're actively trying to add. I, th- I actually think they're trying to add four teams. I think they're trying to take the entire West Coast and make the Pac-12, whatever it's going to be going forward, move a little towards the mountain area. Um, I think they're trying to, to get the West Coast. Two is on the table. I think four is idea, ideal, but the flip side of it is is the money, right? This is all about the money. They have to find the money um, to pay these teams. Competitively, if you just look at it competitively, if you're Washington and Oregon, until the college football playoffs expand, your best path to the next level would be not joining the Big Ten. But this is about... This is about money and future, and right now the Pac-12 struggling with a contract and television and money. So right now, any money is better than what is on the table right now. So that's why I think the Big Ten's, they're sort of in a poaching position. They're in a position of power because they can offer more money than is available right now, and they really want to protect a little bit those assets on the West Coast and not leave USC and UCLA out there on the Los Angeles West Coast island on their own. They, they Again, I say they might have to, but it's not what they want, and they are actively trying to change that. It also takes both sides to agree on this, Andy. And I think even more than the Big Ten wanting those teams, those teams want the Big Ten. If you're Oregon and Washington, you think of yourself as a national program. If you're Oregon, I think it's a pretty good argument. Washington, yeah, I, you can see it. Maybe they're the next level. But with what is going on with the Pac-12 or Pac-10 or Pac-8, and where they are really struggling, and you alluded to it, Andy, is they don't have their next television contract. And they may be stuck going to streaming. Now, that may be the future, but I'm not sure it's the present right now where national audiences may not go running to streaming to see a West Coast game if they have other options. If you're Oregon, Washington, you're scared. (laughs) If you're any of the Pac-12 teams that are remaining, you're scared of what's going to happen. And you might conceivably even say, you know what? I'll take a partial TV contract from the Big Ten over what's what I would get to being in the Pac-12 television-wise. And the one last note, Andy, you mentioned the Big Ten's going to say, well, wait a minute. If we add those teams, are we just going to split our TV pie more ways? Is there more TV revenue to be had? And could that extra TV revenue be a late day game, a West Coast game, where right now the Big Ten has Fox at noon, CBS at 3.30, and then NBC primetime on the East Coast at 7 p.m. or 7.30. Might that 10.30 late time block be something you can you can sell that to somebody? 
you could you could eat, I mean, I know Fox has paid a gazillion dollars, you know, for the Big Ten, but you know, even putting a West Coast game on FS1, for example, at ten thirty at night, that falls under Fox's purview, and they're going to have to pay for that. But I mean, it's possible, and I think that is that is the attraction, right? Like, the money is, the streaming is the future, but right now there's no money in it, and that's what the Pac-12 is struggling with. The money's with Fox, NBC, CBS, and, and ABC, ESPN. And guess what? The Big Ten's got three of them, right? They've got NBC, CBS, and Fox. They've got three of the four big ones covering their net, you know, covering their games already. That There's... There's enough money there. There, even at a reduced enter into the Big Ten from the Pac-12, say your Cal, for example, even the reduced money you might have to take from the Big Ten, it has to be infinitely more than you could possibly get from any streaming possibility. So, it, like I said, they are the Big Ten's in a sort of poachum bargaining position of strength. And they are they're going to dictate the terms because they've got three networks behind them. That's huge. The one network they don't have is ESPN. <laughs> Might ESPN not be interested in the Pac-12 as currently constituted, but if those teams, USC, UCLA, Cal, Stanford, Oregon, and Washington became part of the Big Ten, might that not be more attractive to ESPN and they would want that 1030 time slot? Yeah, it certainly could be. I mean, you're you're looking at say, okay, 1030 time slot, we're ABC ESPN and we're going to get Michigan and USC one year. You know, in the Coliseum, it's going to be Michigan traveling to play USC and it's going to be a 10 or 1030 start. I don't know. That looks pretty attractive to me. Um, that might be your best game of the day. But even if, you know, I would find it hard to see like a USC against Michigan, Ohio State, or Penn State game being played that late because the the other network paid the premium dollars. But what if it were Ohio State versus Washington or Penn uh-huh. State versus Stanford? Good one. Yeah, yes. they're attractive. The depth of the the depth of the Big Ten, and when you talked about it last, you know, in quarter number three about the schedule and how you're looking at five or six great, you know, games rather than just, you know, from a Penn State perspective, just the Ohio State, Michigan, and then everybody else. It's going to be a much deeper schedule, and that deeper schedules could open up opportunities. That's why I think four teams is what the Big Ten is after. I know there's the money has to be found, but I think more teams means more opportunity. And I think that's the way the Big Ten sees it now. And that's why they're going after these Pac-12 teams the way they are. And those additional teams means additional inventory, where even if you have like a, a network game, say ESPN contract late, and you have Ohio State, Washington for that late game, might you still have more inventory for the Big Ten network? Another late game might be Cal, Oregon, or Stanford, Oregon, and that's attractive as the second tier game that's going on the Big Ten network. So that's 
I think pretty uh, can be pretty attractive to everybody. Oh and, yeah, more, more and, is more is better. Yeah, you're 100 percent right, Jimmy. And the Pac-12 is the place where these vultures could go and feast. <laughs> you know, the Big 12 is also going out there looking at like Arizona, Arizona State, those teams. Which again, this could be the demise of the Pac-12. Can the South? Where can the Southeast Conference go? I don't think the Southeast Conference wants to go anywhere. <laughs> I really don't. I don't think they want to expand anymore. I think they're. I think they are. They feel that they are well positioned, even in the moving into the expansion era. I think they feel they are in a competitive position of strength. I just think that's how the SEC feels. I um, I don't even see when the college football playoff expansion comes. I, I struggle to see them losing their division setup. I I still don't think they're going to want to have Alabama and Georgia playing each other. I really don't. I, I don't think they want to go deeper. I think they feel they are deep enough already. And that's, that's a little bit from a position of arrogance, but it's also a little bit from a position of power in that they've proven that their setup and model works and it works well at, at the SEC level and it works well at the college football playoff level. The Big Ten has to be doing their expansion because they haven't reached that next level like the SEC can. I think the SEC's, I think they're done. I really honestly do, Jimmy. Well, I think the problem the SEC has is the teams that would be attractive to them, Clemson, Florida State, Miami, they are locked into the ACC Yep. with the ACC's grant of rights. Those teams, it's almost impossible for them to get out of their contracts there. Nice. Unfortunately, Andy, that's going to have to be it for this conversation. Wonderful job, Andrew P. And thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. 
featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno. This beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com.